love music, live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. Good evening and welcome to Wednesday's Talking Football. Ali Graham in the studio with me tonight. Uh, you can listen to the show on DAB Digital Radio. You can listen online at rocksportradio.co.uk and you can listen on your smartphone and your smart speaker using the TuneIn and the Radiogram apps. You can also watch the show on uh, Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, sorry, not on YouTube. We're not back on there. Facebook, Twitter and Periscope. Uh, and you can watch it every night, Monday to Friday between 6 and 8. Thank you for joining us tonight on what is one of the saddest days uh, that we've had in a little while and certainly since the death of uh, Billy McNeil, I would say, Ali. Yep. Uh, and I think, you know, it's it's one of those days where... It's hard, it's difficult, but it kind of, if you like, in some ways, lightens you a little bit in terms of seeing how the football world comes together Mm -hmm. to mourn the loss of one of their own. And I am, of course, talking about Fernando Rickson, uh, the former Rangers skipper who passed away after a very, very brave battle uh, with motor neurons disease. Uh, Someone who was very close to Fernando Rickson, and, and the first time I met Fernando uh, was thanks to this particular gentleman, Stan Gordon, who was a close friend uh, and a very, very, very um, active fundraiser on behalf of Fernando Rickson. Stan, this must just be a horrible day for you. Uh, really, I was, uh, I was contacted a couple of weeks ago to say he was deteriorating, which I had been up to see him about three weeks ago. There's actually a guy, Alex Hosey, uh, who's wanted to do a book on behalf of Fernando from six years ago for his illness to up to just now. And we had some great times over the last couple of weeks here discussing uh, different places we went. We went to Belfast, we went to London, we went to Benidorm for his 40th birthday. And uh, it was full of pain. And although that illness destroys your body, but your, your head's still there. And... Uh, it gave him something in a wee bit to, to keep him going. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had some emails back to each other and we were Facebook and each other. It just stopped and I knew there was something far wrong. So I'd been up last week and uh, I wasn't allowed to get to see him. It was that bad. And uh, it just progressed for there, which was terrible, you know. It was really terrible. Stan, the first time I met Fernando Rickson was was thanks to yourself because uh, he had done a book uh, which I've got and was signed by Fernando, which I shall treasure uh, and remember him fondly by. Um, But the thing that struck me, although he was finding it very difficult to speak, he didn't give up trying to communicate. Uh, And he he was very, very humorous that day and that night on the programme. He was very, very determined uh, and and very, very keen that he should he should speak for himself. No, even even up to the end there, I mean, I was with him right through, you know, and see when he could walk, he wouldn't get in a wheelchair. He, he didn't get in a wheelchair till, till he had to. And that, that was the determination there. We went to places like, as I say, we, we travelled all over and, he could have got a wheelchair, you know, to the fight, but see when he, when he was been able to walk a bit, he wouldn't do it. He just had that determination to fight about him. And uh, he, he just never gave in. Even last week there, they had everything already for him in the hospice. And they, they, they were telling me that that was it was going to, that would be handed away overnight. 
And he would wake up the next morning and the colour would be back in his face again and he fought again, you know. And it was unbelievable, we were, honestly. Stan can, was, ask, un- unbelievable. Stan, can I ask you, it was part of that when he when did eventually go into the wheelchair and, and he was making appearances at Ibrox and all other different places because of the charity side of things. Was that down to the, the strength and the determination of Fernando? Oh, they sort of do. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you've ever read any 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 that this condition with yeah. more you know disease. Yeah. Your head's still there, mm-hmm. and he had a heart in a line, you know. Mm-hmm. And although his body wasn't happening, he still wanted to do that in his mind, and he still wanted it. And people used to say to me, "Why is Fernando going to London? Why is Fernando mm-hmm. going to Sheffield? Yeah. Why is Fernando going to Blackpool?" But he got joy out it. Mm-hmm. Although his body was not wanting to do, his mind wanted to be there. And seen he walked into a, he walked into a room and there was five or four hundred Rangers fans there. Yeah. He could see his face lighting up and he had the eyes that he could see the joy in him, you know. And, mm-hmm. and she just to see him doing that was amazing. It was amazing, honestly. See some of the some of the things he'd done. And I was telling the boys, up, I was up at the hospital today, as I say, and uh, he had passed away and I was sitting beside him. Uh, Obviously, and we were talking about different stories. And I can remember one, uh, we'd done a big dinner in, in the Thornton Street. And he's sitting beside me, and next to me is Alec McLeish, and the other side it was Graham Roberts. And it wasn't long, but it was a couple of days before the big game at Highbrooks. And we're sitting, so we had invited, uh, all, the, all the players who were all invited that night, and they're sitting at a couple of tables just in front of us. So as the players were coming in, I was introducing them and saying, well, where do you go there? Mark on the egg, they come in, there's Charlie Muller. So I can't see that far away at the end of the, uh, end of the Thornton Street. So he's sitting next to me. So he heard a big cheer. That's another Rangers player coming. And I looked down and I, with my distance looking, I couldn't see who it was. And I says to him, is that Reno Gattuso? And he says, ah, I stand, that's Reno. And I goes, oh, brilliant. So I get some mic. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. We know the two so the fans all start singing, we know, we know. And it was two guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down, and the tears are running down his face. <laughs> and I mean, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was the kind of things he'd done for you, although the body was not there. But he, the wit and everything about him was so funny, you know. It was amazing, amazing. It was an amaz- amazing character. I mean, I, I, I only met a couple of days before. He had his illness, and then when I found out he was ill, uh, I decided, right, we're going to start doing something for Fernando. He was a Rangers captain, and it was, it was actually myself and Andy Gorham that started uh, at the beginning. I said to Andy Gorham, listen, give a wee hand here, and then we decided to put a dinner on in, and then we came for him, and, and the Rangers fans were absolutely amazing with him, and it makes a big difference. Uh, and you see that the fans were 100% behind him, you know, and every, he, everywhere he went, he was loved, you know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was amazing, it was amazing. It was of course, you remember as well, when he first went to Ibrox, Stan, you know, he didn't actually get off to the greatest of starts. Well, well I'll tell you a story, Alan, yeah. when I met him, uh, and when he first came to Ibrox, I was doing the, the real football phone in with Ruffy, yeah. And I coined the expression Red Mist Mick Rickson. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, Stan, but I was told this. Apparently on occasions, people, fellow players, called him that, Red Mist Rickson. <laughs> and when I met oh, him, yeah. 
when I met him that night, uh, he kind of reminded me about the nickname, and I thought, I'm going to get it here, but then he just laughed and shook his head. Uh, and that kind of tells you everything about him. But sorry, you were saying, Ali. No, just the, the earlier part of his career, and, 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 you know, we don't need to go too far to look at Rangers at the minute, the earlier part of somebody else's career, you know, that maybe come on, and I'll tell you what, if this guy comes on as good as what he came on, because I firmly believe that through his football career, Stan, at, at Ibrox, he, he was... Every year he was there, he was getting better and better and better. And he, you know, he was a fantastic footballer, and you know, he deserved all the honours that he got at Ibrox. So, I mean, you know, just a, a sad loss, Dan. You know, to, to, to the whole range of support and family. Oh, he was a he was a determined guy, and yeah. and, and one thing one thing with myself is I'll, I'll never forget the times I've had with him because it was fun. Although although he had that illness here. you this Stan how do you think that Fernando Rickson should be best honoured and remembered by Rangers fans well, I loved the club and I knew Rangers were a family and that, that's the main thing I mean I, I've spoke to loads of players I spoke to all the boys I, I, I actually phoned uh, Michael Moles and I actually phoned uh, Arthur Newman and I phoned uh, George Alberts and Marco Negri to let them know this morning and uh, and get into deep, you know, we spoke about things that we had done with them, you know, and every one of them think the same. When you come to Glasgow Rangers, they stay in Holland and they stay in Germany, they stay in Italy. See if they finished their career over there and they never came to Rangers, they, they could walk down the street and nobody would bother with them. They could have a Legends game and nobody would be there. They could they, they, what was happened to Fernando today? It might be just doing the news an ex Feyenoord or an ex uh, Hamburg player passed away. It's a Glasgow Rangers player, and you can see the, the reception he's had since that happened. And mm. that that's just that just sums up not just Rangers. It just sums up Scotland and and, and Glasgow and and the whole. That see anybody that played with Rangers, we take them into the heart, and 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 Fernando knew that. And I think that's how he's wanted to spend his time here. I've drove him through Glasgow and early Erskine Bridge, early Erskine Bridge and we're driving there and we went, I'm back home. And, and a lot of them think that way, and he certainly did. And he appreciated the way that the fans appreciated him, and they're no doubt about that. Is there any plan to keep going now in terms of, you know, for Rangers, you and Rangers fans to honour him by, by still raising money and continue to raise money in his name? Well, the thing is, I'd like to think that the Rangers fans would always find things to do for what you know. I mean, since since he's took no well, I've took a step away from fundraising things for him and, at the end of the day, you have dinners and you have games, and there comes a time that you've got to say, well, look, you can only go to certain people so mm. many times. But I still get phone calls to Northern Ireland. The boys in, the boys in Garba there have gone 
contact with him. We're going to do a night for Fernando and raise money, which is great. So I contact him and I tell him, look, the boys are going to raise money for you here, you know. But, I mean, more of you than he's new, I think. I'll get a big kick on for, for Fernando now he's events today and he's not here now. Uh, and I hope that I hope people don't forget. Just, I just, hope, I hope, I hope they don't. just reflecting on his career, and and you know he, he was an amazing ambassador for Rangers, uh, even through his illness. But where do you think he sits in terms of you know Rangers greats, Rangers legends? If it's if it's a word that's too widely used too easily, would it be a word that you would apply to Fernando Rickson? Of course, he's he's entrenched in Rangers history because of of Helicopter Sunday. Yeah, and, and he, he'd been a captain of the club, uh, and that's a great honour for any Rangers player to be captain Glasgow Rangers. And uh, I think I think now we coming back to Glasgow and, and, and making his rich back in Glasgow now since he's illness, it says a oh, lot that he, he knew he's back home with the people that want to look after him. I mean, he could have he could have went to Holland or he could have went else, but he, he decided to come back and spend his days here. And and I know we're speaking to uh, his carer and and his wife and that his wishes as he wants to be cremated here and uh, and he wants to um, get get his funeral here, which which I think just sums everything up as a as Fernando that he, he appreciates everybody done from here. That'll be some turnout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I know, and I, I, I've been speaking to Rangers uh, all day today, and if it would have been a normal league game tomorrow night, I think everything would be okay, and uh, for a minute's silence and a wee tribute to him, but they've had to push the boat out for tomorrow night because it's a UEFA game, but I think everything will go ahead tomorrow the way they're talking, I don't think there'll be a problem, it was a wee bit mere work for Rangers, but I think... Uh, tomorrow night, the way they're talking to me, there will be a big tribute for him tomorrow, which is fantastic. And they're playing a Dutch team. And That's he, right. And he's yeah. a Dutch international, which yeah. is, is fantastic, you know. And, uh, I'm speaking to Rangers. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm not going to be saying this live, but I'm hoping the Rangers do the right thing. And I've been speaking to them that can go ahead and and of course, Feyenoord, were, Feyenoord, to their credit, were very, very quick to post on social media their condolences and, and their thoughts for Fernando Rickson's family and for Rangers and Rangers fans. Yeah, great, fantastic. And, and uh, I think tomorrow night will be fantastic if, if I give a go ahead to a tribute from. Uh, I've only seen, because I'm not long back for St Andrew's Hospice, uh, getting things sorted there, but I've looked on some photos there on Facebook, and the, the tributes have got for them yeah. just now, which is unbelievable, and that'll be even that'll be even better tomorrow night. It'll be amazing, amazing. I, I was reading as well, Stan, on Twitter today. A lot of players that obviously played against them, and I've been back to earlier on when I was speaking to you. One of a good friend of yours on the show, Bill Darren Young. That's who that was who done the infamous karate kick on. Way back all the years yeah. ago when he was getting the, the trial by evidence done. Darren Young's obviously remembered, obviously it was him that happened to him. He put a nice tribute on as well and a lot of football players um, and a lot of football clubs. So the guy was highly thought of. And, and by the way, Stan, when you look at his career and you look at the honours that the guy won as well, Fernando, I mean, it just shows you how much and how good 
a football player he was. I mean, an absolutely tremendous player. Right. No, there was no doubt about that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I've watched Rangers all my life, and I can remember him coming there. He started off at right back, and he didn't have a great game against Celtic. He took off, and and that that shows you a fight determination mm-hmm. for a guy who took off after X amount of minutes against Glasgow Celtic, and then comes back and then ends up your captain. Mm-hmm. And yep. and a lot of people wouldn't have come back for that. That's right. You can make a break. I mean, you can make Bobby a break. Some players, yeah. Bob, I know Bob, Bobby Petter loves him to bits. And, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've done a couple of legends game, and Bobby Petter uh, turned up to play in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things like that, you know. And the, the two of them had a laugh together. But that that day, he got roasted, and you say to yourself, "He'll not come back for that." But that, that was the kind of guy he was. And there were one season there after that when he moved into the midfield. He won the league for the Rangers. It was outstanding. Mm-hmm. It's a sad, sad day, Stan, but the red mist has finally settled, sadly. Uh, listen, uh, I, I, I hope everything goes well in terms of tomorrow night. I know it's a difficult one because UEFA pretty much run everything in these nights, um, but I'm sure the club will make every representation they can. And being a Dutch club that they're up against, I'm sure Feyenoord, having posted what they posted on social media, would be very cooperative with everything as well. Uh, it is a sad day, um, but the great thing is there's plenty of places where you can find uh, clips of uh, Fernando Rickson in action and they'll never be forgotten by Rangers fans, that's for sure. No, definitely no, definitely not. Listen, thanks no. for, for joining us on what is a difficult day and talking, you know, and, and, and letting us see a wee bit behind Fernando Rickson, the footballer, and uh, Fernando Rickson, the man, uh, and a man that we should all respect and, and admire. Thanks again, Stan. Thanks, Stan. No problem. Thanks Thank you very, very much. much. Cheers. Stan Gordon talking to his friend of uh, Fernando Rickson. You heard him today saying that he was up at the hospice and spent time with Fernando after he'd passed away, and it's a very difficult day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're right, Ali. You know, it's amazing when you see these things on social media from other fans, from other players, from other clubs. It makes you understand how futile a lot of the division is yeah. that we have in football, especially in Scotland. Well, you know, horrible day. And, and, and the same disease is maybe one of the most famous players ever to play for Glasgow Celtic, Jimmy Johnson, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I don't know if you've seen on social media, Femdies out there that can go on to it. Somebody's put a photograph of, of Fernando, Fernando tackling Jimmy yeah. Johnston. Have I you mean, seen him, though, standing at the statue yes, of Jimmy Johnston? absolutely brilliant. Magic, and he wasn't well then as well. You know, he was determined to go there. You could see it in him. So um, I, I only kind of, I didn't really get introduced to him, but he was in company I was in once. I didn't know him, but I watched him playing. I knew the guys he played against. I knew the Rangers team. My son was going to, to Ibrox at the time, early doors. And don't forget as well, a lot of players left when he was there, Ferguson and Amoruso, and a mm. lot of guys, big names, and he still stayed there, and they still won trophies with, with Rangers, Bill, so... A tremendous player, um, and a good good couple of tussles with a couple of good players in Scotland. Well, I t- as well. I'll tell you the story about yep. when I interviewed him about five years ago, and I was going to ask Shuggy because Shuggy got a great picture taken with him, yeah. and it's the first time I've ever seen Hugh Burns starstruck. Is that right? And he was that night. Ah, he really yeah, was. No wonder. Um, and and he got a great picture taken with Fernando. And Stan said to us before. Um, you know, they came, he said, look, he's not well, his speech isn't great, I might have to do a lot of the talking for him. Um, and he's he's really quite tired because he's been travelling today, so probably only 15, 
uh, minutes, 20 minutes. Oh, I, know, I know it's coming here, he's determined. And an hour later, <laughs> we were still talking uh, and we were trying to get out of it to let him away and he just kept going and kept going. And although his speech was bad, he wouldn't let everybody, people talk on his behalf. Aye. He wanted to make his own point and he made himself fully understood and you could see it was a struggle for him, but he wanted to do it and he kept going. Uh, and it was a it was a really really good interview, and and it was it was, dare I say this under the circumstances, it was actually a lot of fun and full of a, full of a lot of laughter, because he was just he was very humorous, he, you know he had a great sense of humour, and he, he he could see the funny side of things, and even when he got frustrated, you could see you know that he he, could, he started to laugh. It, looking at us getting frustrated for him. The thing that I'm, I, I was amazed at the day, Bill, when I was looking at it and reading the story and remembering them and thinking, you know, us, when, when you're getting older, you don't realise that you're getting older. And you look at his age, 43, and then you look at when he signed for Rangers in 2000, I mean, nearly 20 years ago. I mean, he was a young man when he came out here. And it just shows you that rashness that he maybe had at the start for falling into a right good player, becoming the captain, as Stan was saying, and winning trophies, and, and, and being their best player for like one you, And like you say, I mean... He's like only you a young say, man. He's only a young man. You know, for a while, he was Red Miss Rickson. Oh, I mean, listen. You know, we've... Listen. We've seen... You know, player, what players are like. <laughs> he was, and I'll tell you. Oh, the Red so, Mist used oh, to come absolutely. down. yeah. And I, I, I actually just stumbled on it one night. Mm -hmm. uh, and said, and every time I referred to him on the program after that, I always called him Red Miss Rickson. Mm -hmm. And somebody told me, said, you know that they call him that in the dressing room sometimes. And I went, oh. nah, you're joking. They said, no, no. He's some tussles with Thompson, and, and I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, his next door name. <laughs> I mean, brilliant. I mean, I, 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 that was box office itself, box office. And, but it's oh, it's fantastic. great to see fans from from all yeah. teams from all clubs. We Liam yeah. Telford, who's a regular with us, uh, he sent in a tweet saying, "Hope all fans in Scotland come together and pay a proper tribute this weekend." Uh, looking forward to watching the game tomorrow. Rangers at Ibrox against a Dutch team. It's going to be one hell of a tribute, in my reckoning, from both teams. Well, yeah. I hope that is the case. But I know that it's difficult sometimes on these nights, purely because UEFA yeah. literally run and orchestrate everything. Mm -hmm. um, I would hope they would be sensitive to the situation, especially as it is a Dutch team that Rangers are playing and who have been very, very vocal on social media in putting forward their own kind of... Uh, tribute. You know, tribute and yeah. everything like that. And I've just yeah. actually seen on social media a minute ago, which is Feyenoord have, have posted it, and it's a picture of the gates at Ibrooks uh, with all the, the banners, with all the scarfs, everything... And it's fine in order to have, uh, have actually posted it on social media. Uh, uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a very poignant thing for both clubs tomorrow. Um, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Yeah. Um, it's sad, but football is uh, football will continue and we'll keep going and we'll yeah. remember the greats and we'll look forward to seeing the other, the new greats it's, developing. Yeah. Um, it's been one of those days where it's been bad news across the board. Uh, nowhere near as bad as the, the passing of Fernando Rickson at Partick Thistle, but bad news for the manager, Gary Caldwell. He has now gone. Our normal producer, who's often a jolly tonight, Ian Robertson, joins us now. Uh, this hasn't come as a shock, surely. 
I think the timing of it actually has come as a shock to me anyway, Bill, but the fact that he's lost his job probably hasn't come as a shock due to the fact that all the supporters really have turned against the manager and the players as well. There's a bit of different chatting in the dressing room. You've had Stuart Bannigan, who's been in the club for a long time, stripped of his captaincy. You've had Thomas Aware in and out the side. You also had Dillon and Erskine leaving last season. So the timing before the Dunfermline game does surprise me a little bit, though. You and I've got to say before Ali comes in, there's been a catalogue of incidents with the manager and various players that have, have come to light or been alleged. And you can only say that if those things are not true, there's not as many of them. But the fact that there seem to be a fairly consistent stream across his tenure makes you worry if he ever really did have the dressing room. Yeah, I think certainly when he came in, the results weren't good enough and a lot of stories came out, obviously, certain left the club, etc. Don't left the club um, in the summer as well. And it's just been a case of there's been too much bad press come out of the club, whether that be on and off the pitch. I've actually got a bit of sympathy for Gary just due to the, just due to the situation he's had off the field at Thistle the last, over his whole tenure, really. It's been a bit of a a circus really off the pitch there's been so much speculation about ownership and what's happening at the club and who's coming in who's not I think that's maybe affected things on the pitch a little bit ultimately they came in last season he talked about wanting to gain promotion back to the Premiership after a few weeks or a month or two that quickly became impossible really and it became a fight against relegation and in the end he survived Thistle stays in the league. But Patrick Thistle with the squad they had shouldn't have been in a relegation battle last season. And ultimately, I think Scott McDonald is a big, big reason why Thistle stayed up last season. He was the catalyst for kind of improved form. But to be fair to Gary, towards the end of the season, the form did improve. He started this season. The Betfred Cup performances were quite good as well. He topped the group ahead of a premiership side. He beat Ross County. It's just a weak form, um, really, which is... I think, yeah, I, call, I, I, I was speaking to Billy earlier on, you and I was saying to him, you know, Gary Caldwell was brought in not not to stay in the championship, to win the championship, or to get to the playoffs. You um, I think another telling point was, and fans couldn't believe it was the the, the time when he, he was supposedly asked, or he did ask the players to pick a team or whatever it was, and get an envelope, and who would you play? And managers can't do that, mate. They can't do that. They can't show their hand like that. And, and as you say, it's okay winning Betfred games, but the proof in the pudding is when you get into the league and Thistle are sitting down the bottom of the league. Now, I'm not surprised by the timing, Bill, and you, and I'll tell you why I'm not surprised, because I don't think, going into this game against them Fairland, that they can afford to lose that game. I think they're looking for a reaction, and whoever the, the guys that are picking the team at the minute, they maybe get a reaction now. And it's amazing when you do do this, Bill, and you do get rid of a manager... It's amazing how the players get together and they get a result. Now listen, by the way, as well, you don't need to look too far at Dunfermline, the start they've had. The two teams are sitting down the bottom of the championship. And I think all of us, you know, I think you'll agree, Ewan. I, I I, the start that they had in the, the Betfred as well, I was thinking that Dunfermline and the, uh, Patrick Thistle were going to be up there sitting pretty at the minute and we're going to be talking about this. But it's no work to it like that, Bill. Results put you under pressure and unfortunately... That's where, where Gary is at the minute. Ewan? No, I agree. I agree with you, Ali. I think 
the game on Saturday, it's, I hate using football, but it's a relegation six pointer. Do you say that so close to the start of the season? I don't think you can. Yeah. But Thistle and Fairmont are a pretty big club in that division, and they're both down at the bottom of the table. I completely agree with what you say. I think this decision has been made ahead of this game, mm-hmm. hoping that there's a reaction from the players. But now, let, let it be said, it's, it's now on to the players to perform because they can't hide behind maybe the manager. Now, they've got to now step up and go out there on Saturday and perform. There'll be, a big, there'll be a big crowd there on Saturday, Ali. I think yep. the crowd will be bigger in the last few weeks. I think there's a couple of things in the last week that maybe have culminated in Guy losing his job. The, the game at our growth, the first half of Partick Thistle were shocking. They were so, so poor. You can't use the win as an excuse. They could have been three, four goals down and they should have lost that game because our growth had a legitimate goal ruled out uh, against Donnelly in the second half. And our growth were by far the better side. And so we talk about part-time this, part-time that, but Thistle should, with the squad they've got, be beating teams like I both had. I generally believe that. I think if you look at the squad at Thistle Island, you've yep. watched them as well. There's some, there's some good players there. You know, there's some really, really good players there. I look at, in goals, you've got Scott Fox, who won the league last season with Ross County. At left-back, you've got James Penrice, who's one of the best left-backs in the league, in my opinion. Yep. At centre-half, you've got Aware and McGinty, both decent players. Right-back, Williamson. And the centre-mid, you've got Baggins. Happy and playing well, I think he's one of the better centre midfielders in that league as well. You get people like Craig Slater to come back in. You get Shea Gordon, and then people like Zanata's a great player that level. He's been really good uh, last season at Halloway. His numbers are really good. And you get people like Kenny Miller scoring goals, and Kenny's obviously now going to be part of the management team for Saturday's game. It's interesting. Can, can I ask you a question, Ewan? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Who, whose decision was it? He stripped Banning into the captaincy. I was the manager. I spoke to the manager. Gary Caldwell. The game and, Gary Caldwell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if you remember after because the Morton game and Thistle were famously, and this, I think this shows the disharmony in the camp that Thistle leads so many times this season. Um, you look at the game against Morton, they were two 0 up and they looked so comfortable, and then a ten minute spell, they lose three goals and lose the game. Bagan yeah. pulled that game Ali, um, and he came off. He threw his captain, his captain's armband at the floor. Um, now Gary said that wasn't the reason for. The decision, but I think when you show that kind of petulance towards a manager, then it's only going to yeah. result in one thing. I'll tell you the reason why I asked you that because I sat with you and me, KB, at the, the Hamilton game <laughs> and, and, and watching Bannigan, who was, was having a good game. That was a right good game. You know, they, they, they really, they, you know, they could have won that game yeah, against Hamilton. Yeah. Um, Kenny Muller was in his face a couple of times, and I was just looking, mm. and it wasn't as if he was listening to what he was saying, Bill. It was, you know, you're just here kind of thing and I just wondered if that was any maybe influence for Kenny or it was Gary Cole but here's, was here's something here's something which I'd point out to both of you Ewan's just rhymed off a number of players and mm-hmm. said they've got good players now if they've got good players either the players are not playing for the manager yep. or the manager's not getting the best out of them or the manager's playing them in the wrong way and his tactics are wrong mm-hmm. Whatever way you look at this the manager is the one that is going to have to bear the brunt of it yep. because it all comes back to him in the end. And if they've got good players, they wouldn't be second bottom of the league if the manager was getting the best out of them. Now, if the manager's not, those are the reasons he's not, yeah. or potentially the reasons he's not. And that's when you have to start asking questions. 
is anything ever going to change? The bottom line for me is no, it wasn't going to change. But I said at the time, and I know you were at a press conference, uh, Ewan, where he actually rebuked what I'd said. Uh, I said that I heard they got the job based on a good PowerPoint presentation, and I got that from a very good source who sticks by it. Uh, I also heard from today from a very, very good source that uh, the club were disappointed that the things he said he, he wasn't doing. Um, and that source also told me that the uh, the number one favourite, and I don't think this will be a surprise to anybody, for the job is Danny Lennon. He's the preferred candidate by, by Thistle. Um, now, the point I'm going to make next, and I think it's crucial, I can understand making change, but I would refer them to Falkirk. They've done exactly what Falkirk ha- has done, and they've done it at the same time in the same position, and for me, it's too much change all at once, uh, especially as they don't know yet whether this whole takeover thing's going to go through. Yeah, I agree with you. In terms of the names that they linked with the job, I spoke to Harley earlier and said it to Harley that him actually text me earlier and tell me that Gary lost his job before it was actually announced. So, as always, Ali's sources are very good. But the names in the job for me, there's only two candidates for me, and that would be Danny Lennon and Ian McCall. I think it's important that the next manager who comes into Thistle, there's so much uncertainty off the pitch. It's something that some of the fans can correlate with and have an understanding they, are kind of, they know the club. I think that's quite important. The other names I've been mentioned, I've heard Jim McIntyre mentioned, I've heard obviously Duffy always get pensioned when the Thistle job comes up. Um, and I've thrown another one there, it would be Neil McCann. But the people, the two people I think should be favourites for the job, and I, I think would be a good appointment for Thistle, would be Danny Lennon or Ian McCall. In terms of change, like you said, Bill, a lot of people have been kind of linking Alan Archibald back to the club. Again, Alan Archibald's one of my heels, done a fantastic job at Thistle. I think he probably lost his job a little bit too soon last year. But got to remember that the fans, a lot of the fans wanted Archibald out the club at that point. So they bring him back in, I don't know how that would sit. Well, my 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 source, I can tell you, is rock solid, rock solid, and has told me that the preferred uh, candidate is Danny Lennon. Well, I, I don't. I agree, I, I, yeah, I don't disagree with both of you. I think Danny's obviously because he played there, he won a championship there, or whatever, and he's he's a manager who's think on take good willy there on the up. Absolutely, I absolutely think he would. Um, although, although. Um, you know, it depends what way the, the, the new people come in and what way they want to go with you. Well, that's not a done deal uh, yet. No, of course it's not. But I just think you take a manager on the up, a manager that's doing well, I think Darren Young would be a great fit for the club. I agree, Alan. Um, I agree. And I also think Martin Canning would be a great fit for the club as well, having spent a lot of years at Hamilton keeping them up. So there's a couple of young, good managers out there who they really need to make their mind up. But well, what it's I, going to do, Bill, is start the old merry-go-round as usual. You I'm know, and really, I'm really getting the the vibe from that it's Danny Lennon. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, on, on Danny Lennon. I wouldn't I, be surprised. I, mean, I, I spoke to Danny. Obviously, he comes he comes to the show quite regularly. He always speaks there when he's on the show. And yeah, he never comes on in the night he's supposed to mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got mass now. He's got mass now. He's got mass now. He never comes on in the nights he's supposed to come on. Danny has said to me before that he's still got a huge soft spot for Partick Thistle. Would he be interested in the job? I think it's not silly for me to say, of course he would be. You know, he was at the club. He's at Clyde. They're doing well. 
I think Daniel Aaron is number one uh, target for the don't job. Disagree. I think he's the build. All right, you and time will tell. I know you've got your ear to the ground when it comes to the Jags, so uh, get back down there with your lug hole on the tarmac and let us know what happens as soon as you hear it. Have a good night. Speak to you, and we'll see you tomorrow back on the show. Thanks. Uh, That's our producer, Ewan Robertson, who produces Talking Football uh, pretty much every night. Uh, He got a night off tonight, but uh, was determined he wanted to appraise us of the situation at Thistle. Going back to Fernando Rickson, can I just say... Uh, well done. Uh, Simon Donnelly's posted this uh, on uh, Twitter. Um, we said to put this on, and it's Don McNamara's sports bar uh, over in yep. Spain, which Jackie, yeah, yep. which uh, Jackie and Simon are involved with. And it says, in memory of Fernando Rickson, who sadly lost his fight with this terrible disease, we will be donating all ticket sales from our event on the 25th of September to a, an MND charity. So well done. Thank you to them. Uh, it is happening at Don McNamara's. Simon Donnelly and Jackie McNamara meet and greet them both questions and answers live music buffet and party tickets are 10 pounds per person they're on sale now if you happen to be in uh, benel madina fingerola then if you happen to be there uh, and you want to go along even if you're not a celtic fan but want to help a really really good cause then i'm sure you'd be made more than welcome and well done to don mcnamaris uh, for doing that uh, it really is uh, great to see everybody now kind of, you know, getting behind people in the same way that, that Rangers fans and fans from other clubs uh, got behind uh, Billy McNeil's passing. You know, these I are mean, players that are hugely respected absolutely. and rightly so. When you play for the big two and, and a tragedy happens, like I say, and everybody gets behind it. Yeah, it's good to right. see, Bill. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll look ahead to the Europa League fixtures tomorrow. If you're a fan of Scottish junior football, then Just the Juniors is a must-listen for you here on Rocksport Radio. Nobody brings you more or better coverage of the junior game on radio than Bill Kilgower and John Redmond. Unrivaled knowledge, interviews with the managers, players and people who run junior football in Scotland. Every Friday, 8pm to 9pm is when you can hear Scotland's flagship junior football show. Make sure you're listening. Just the Juniors, brought to you by Plumbase, the trade's Premier League team. Leave the winter outside with Plumbase's hottest offers in Feel the Heat brochure. Get yours at your local Plumbase branch. Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home. Visitors arriving at your guest house. Friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages so we can turn this into this. Hello! Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Have you ever lost money on an investment? If a high street bank persuaded you to buy a stocks and shares ISA, unit trust or investment bond and you lost money, Goodwin Barrett can help you get back thousands of pounds in compensation. Even if you don't have the investment anymore or the paperwork, Goodwin Barrett make it easy to find out. Text GOOD to 6677. That's GOOD to 6677. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint and if unsuccessful you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, 
the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. Okay, just ahead of my next guest, let me just say we'll be talking about, because Ann Budge has made a statement today and Hearts fans are already getting in touch with me about it. Uh, Liam Telfer says, uh, Ms Budge has uh, released a statement and it's absolute drivel in my book. She's just trying to paper over the cracks in the foundations and I believe the club will fall apart if this sort of thing is left unanswered. Uh, Listen, round about half seven tonight, we'll give you the chance if you're a Rangers fan or a fan of any club to come on and, and give us your memories of Fernando Rickson. Uh, we'll also give you the chance, if you're a Hearts fan, to come on and talk about the statement if you've seen it. And there's a couple of bits I want to pick out of it because it's kind of made my head go a bit funny. Um, so we'll do that around about half past seven tonight. The number will be 0333 9442. Uh, ahead of that, let's move on. Our next guest is Dutch football expert James Rowe uh, to talk to us and look ahead to the match tomorrow night uh, between Rangers and Feyenoord. Uh, James, thank you for being on the show with us tonight. Let me start by asking you this question. Uh, how much more poignant will it be um, tomorrow, bearing in mind that Rangers are playing a Dutch club after the, the passing of Fernando Rixon, or will for, for Feyenoord, will it just be another European game? Oh, good evening, Bill. Um, it will be very poignant. It will be very poignant, considering Fernando Rixon was also a Dutch international. He had a, a fine career, and obviously playing for Rangers as well, and then they, their first European game in the Europa League this season is against the Dutch club. I believe it will be quite poignant, yes. James, let me let me start by asking you about this particular fixture because we, we were talking about it last week and everybody keeps saying Feyenoord are in a, a rebuilding process and that could work to Rangers' advantage. Um, but it could also work against them because we've seen rebuild clubs, Dutch clubs previously, are doing particularly well. Ajax, for example. Uh, so I'm just wondering where they are in the rebuilding process and are they up to the task of uh, the Champions League, uh, sorry, the, the Europa League uh, group stages at this point? Um, well, I think they'll give it their best shot. I mean, Feyenoord, you know, are one of the biggest clubs in the Netherlands still, you know, with 15 league titles and 13 Dutch Cups. And they're very much looking forward to their European campaign under Yapstam. Yapstam has um, taken over from Giovanni van Bronckhorst and uh, it's made it quite clear that, you know, it's a, it's a rebuilding process bit by bit, slowly but surely. And uh, can, with the signs they've had at the start of the season already, they don't give too much away. They really don't give too much away. They're unbeaten in their division so far with two wins and three draws, and particularly some good results away from home too. And um, I think they'll look to surprise uh, Rangers. I think, especially towards the later stages of the of the match, uh, Yapstam has often in his training stated about how much they look to press and how much they look to turn the screw and up the tempo, especially in the latter stages of matches. James, Ali Graham here, how are you doing? Uh, just just what you were saying there, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the games they've played, you know, undefeated or whatever, and, and defensively, Yapstam was, you know, a, a colossus in the, the, the centre of defence. Is that what they're 
game's all about at the minute? Do they try and take teams in the break? Or, like you're saying, they press teams. What is their style and what is the what kind of tactics do they use during a game, especially in Europe? Well, I think, especially in Europe, I think Yapstam's said in recent press conferences, Ali, how happy he is that the the team doesn't appear to be giving too much away mm-hmm. in terms of chances. And what he does want is he wants them to to break. Obviously, they can't break for 19 minutes. He's well, he's well aware of that. But what he would like them to do, especially in the latest stages of matches, is to be in to be in with a shout of getting yeah. a positive result and then looking to take the initiative in the final stages to um, to maybe go on to win the game or up the tempo to up the tempo to surprise the opposition. James, just just looking at uh, Feyenoord, uh, tell us how they line up normally. What's the the normal uh, formation? Uh, do you expect them to make any change to formation tomorrow? Uh, and who are the key players? Are the, the ones that could potentially frustrate or hurt uh, Rangers? I think Feyenoord will line up with their accustomed four three three formation. Uh, I think the players that can hurt Rangers, I think the experience of Leroy Fair who's back here in the Netherlands after his stint in, uh, in England with the likes of Swansea and Queen's Park Rangers. He's joined by his uh, compatriot, Luciano Nassim, who also can provide a very pacey outlet. And also in the back line of final, they have uh, the former player, the Castor, uh, on loan from Isoloma. And also their captain, Brazilian Eric Botachin, is also a very experienced defender who, who is, is quite physical and tactically very strong and very aware. So I think those four players, I think in the back line and in the attack can cause, uh, can cause uh, Rangers problems. Also in the midfield, they have a, a Peruvian winger in Renato Tapia, who's also very quick fitters. And um, I think they'll look as a collective to, uh, to try tomorrow to achieve a positive result. That's what I was going to ask as well. When you look at how well you know rivals Ajax done last year in the Champions League, and then you're kind of looking at the Dutch teams in the international side as well, who I always love watching. Is there an upsurge in the Dutch game at the minute, James? Or are everybody confident? Is there a new? Because for a while there, you know, the Dutch weren't really you know the league or whatever. I didn't think it was actually that great or attractive. But now, I love watching especially Ajax when you see them in full flow, as the rest of the teams kind of fall in suit? Well, if I can just give you one example, Ali. Um, the difference between Ajax and Feyenoord in terms of the youth is that Ajax have been investing heavily in their yeah. youth for quite some time, yeah. whereas Feyenoord have only recently started to do that. And one thing in terms of the, um, of the difficulty with the national team is regards to the failure to qualify for mm-hmm. Euro 2008 and the World Cup in 2018 is very much a wave in the generation of players coming through. You see now characters coming through such as Matthias de Ligt, such as Frenkie de Jong. These are young, gifted players that also have strength of character who are prepared to go that extra mile to get uh, to win and to get a positive result. And it was always going to be a long road back. But I think in, in the case of the clubs, that it's very much important here in the Netherlands to, to believe in youth and to give the opportunity to youth players. You see that some teams, especially at the, at the higher level in terms of Ajax and PSV, are being able to, uh, to attack, uh, attract yeah. a lot of South American talent as well as couple that with their with their players from, from that they brought up through the ranks. And for clubs such as Ajax 
PSV and Feyenoord in this case. It's about finding a balance and slowly but surely being able to build a team team that's competitive both at home and abroad. Do you know what I love about Dutch players? The names. It's like you're clearing your the, your throat. You know, they've all got that kind of name, which is great. I love that. I just, stuff. I just think there's some. You know, I mean, listen, we've been watching Dutch football for that long, and the superstars that have played, and that's what I was going to ask James as well. Are the clubs, you know, proud of the fact then that, or is it a kind of does it fall back on their own league, the Dutch league, where these good young players are now getting attracted and getting getting lots of money from going to Italy and Spain and these sorts of places? Well, I, th- I think they are proud. When they see a young player come through the, the youth setup, regardless of club style, they are very yeah. happy that all the hard work they put in both mm. on and off the pitch um, has, has, has borne fruit for Rewarded, them to go on yeah. to sign for yeah. clubs such, yeah. such as Barcelona and Juventus. Mm-hmm. I'm also fortunate to interview Dutch players and managers on a regular basis, and I've often spoken to many players who came through the Ajax Academy, for example, or the PSB Academy, and they often talk, even though they're playing for other Eredivisie clubs or Dutch clubs in the Dutch first division, they often talk about how well they were prepared for not just life on the pitch, but life off, it, off the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. James, can I ask you a question? Have the, has the Dutch game gone back to the future in as much as, you know, it was in the doldrums for a little while, but the Dutch have always had a very strong model uh, in developing young players and bringing young players through. Has that model changed of, or have clubs just decided that it was a successful model? Let's go back and revisit it. Um, well, definitely the second option, Bill, in terms of uh, looking about the, the generation of players coming through. I mean, it, it wasn't so long ago that after failure to qualify for Euro 2016, there was lots of root and branch calls for to ditch the 4-3-3 and to focus on physicality. But they realised shortly afterwards that the young players coming through at youth level, they are, in terms of characters, they are. They have a lot of stamina, they have a lot of joy in playing the game, and they want to be able to, to, to spray passes, they want to be able to start attacks, there's no, there's no real um, going all the way down, there's no real um, want from the young players to turn into uh, to real physical specimens and, and change their game that they've learned from a very, very young age. Now, that's interesting you mentioned that, because last week we discussed this very thing, uh, and we were talking about how players were not being allowed to breathe in terms of the, the way that they were playing. It was more uh, formation over talent, and it seems that the Dutch now have recognised the amount of talent that they've brought through over the years and have got a balance right now with the formation, but allowing players to express themselves within it and be creative. Absolutely, I fully agree. And I think they've gone back to basics a little bit. And you have to remember as well, for a country of only 17 million people, they've managed to, uh, in, in, the, in the current day, in the current year we are now, they've managed through the years to um, produce some truly tremendous footballers. And, and having spoke to managers recently as well, and in the past couple of years, they always kept saying when I would inquire about the Dutch national team, they would always inquire as the, they would always say about it being a, a wave of, of, of a new generation coming through and, and to not panic and keep the faith that everything would work out okay in future.
The other thing I was going to say, sorry, Ali, just no, no. before you come in, we were talking about Feyenoord being in a, a, a process of rebuilding. Is it a major rebuild or is it just kind of tinkering around the edges? Um, it's not a major rebuild, no. I think it's about finding consistency, most most importantly. That's the most important factor, is for them to, Yapstam wants them to become slightly more robust and to have that, that little bit of streetwise fight in them to be able to, to not wheel in front of big opponents, for example. But like all big, uh, when, a, when a player, when a manager or um, former big player takes over at a very big club, and it happened as well with them, um, and Beaumont PSV, in the beginning, you, he needs time to find his own consistency in terms of the uh, team that he picks. And, and things do take time, but um, yep, Sam certainly um, seems to be enjoying the task of managing one of the biggest clubs in the Netherlands. When you talk about the leagues throughout Europe, um, you know, that James were, were Dutch football. I've, I've always enjoyed Watching Dutch football, I actually. think it's very close to ours because it's quite pacey and it's quite physical. Yeah, I just think well, I think they've got better players than us. But to be quite honest with you, but anyway, um, you look at the other leagues where you know it's more televised than the Dutch stuff. Where, where, where would you put the Dutch football at the minute, James? Well, it's, I've always said as someone who's been able to been able to watch Eredivisie football first time for more than a decade, I've always stated, uh, fellas, it's an acquired taste. And some may often look and say, oh, it's not the La Liga, it's not the Premier League, it's not League uh, or the Bundesliga, for example. But there are, if you really take the time to look, there are some very, very good players that are playing all around the leagues. You get the likes of um, teams such as FC Utrecht and Fernando Rixen's former club, Fortuna Sittard, who uh, got promoted and managed to stay up last season quite comfortably. You always get a surprise coming through. Mm. You always get a surprise of a good squad under the tutelage of, of a good manager. So I would recommend people, who, if they are intrigued about Dutch football, I would recommend that they uh, they dip their toe in the Eredivisie pool and I'm sure they'll find many good players and they'll be able to see some good matches too. James, let me ask you about Rangers in terms of the perception of them in Holland. I mean, how are the press, uh, if you like, portraying this, this game tomorrow, uh, the Dutch press? Well, they actually, um, obviously with Dick Advocat's experience at Rangers and, and, and many Dutch players having played for the, the club, the Dutch media have always respected Rangers. Obviously, they're fully aware of the rivalry between Rangers and Celtic and being the two biggest clubs in uh, in Scotland. But they're, they're excited about uh, a Dutch team going to, to play in such a great stadium and to play such a good team. And I think they think they, they, they respect the work that Stephen Gerrard has done so far. I mean, obviously, they're fully aware of his uh, uh, fantastic professional playing career at Liverpool. And I think they're, they're, they're kind of aware that it's going to be a big task for final, but they, they most certainly respect Glasgow Rangers and they're very much looking forward to a very intrig- intriguing European tie. And what's their ambition level realistically in the group stages? I mean, do they, they realist? I know every, look, it's a daft question in a way because every team wants to do the best they can. But from a fan's point of view, are they optimistic that they can qualify and go to the knockouts? Um, yeah. If you speak to Feyenoord supporters, uh, considering who else is in their group, they, I think Feyenoord supporters would harbour hope that they would be able to finish second, perhaps behind FC Porto. They would harbour ambitions that they could make it through to the group stage. Mind you, the same is also said of PSV Eindhoven in their respective group. But I think, I think Feyenoord w- would look to, to aim to get through the group and to have, uh, to have a good European campaign where they... Uh, 
where they put themselves in a good light. And they're, they're fully aware as well that to be early on in the rebuilding process and being able to play European football, See, I can it will only help them in good stead in the future. Yeah, James, I can understand why Bill's asking you that because we, we speak a lot about that in the show where Rangers and Celtic, who in our opinion are Europa League football teams. I don't think, you know, don't get me wrong, Celtic in the Champions League, they get the draws, they never... I don't, you know, I just think that Europa League football clubs, uh, you know, I, 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 instead of playing all these pre-games before they get into it, automatic, is that where Feyenoord feel they are? Do they feel they're a Europa League side? Well, Feyenoord were eliminated from by the Slovakian yeah. team, uh, AS a uh, season before last, mm-hmm. in, the quali- in, the, in the qualifying rounds. And I think it just hammered home how one of the biggest changes, in my opinion, fellas, in, in recent years as regards to football, not just in terms of the commercial power of clubs, but the gap between um, the seasoned European teams and yeah. the smaller European teams is decreasing year on year because it's a world game now where you have players who are basically playing all over Europe who have maybe found themselves out of favour, who have maybe decided to change country or try something different. And you see how the smaller clubs get their houses in order and look to go as high, high as possible. And you, you only have to look recently with the likes of Ostersunds of Sweden, who, uh, who came from nowhere and, and went on to reach the knockout stages, stages of the Europa League. I just think that, that no two seasons in Europe are the same. And, and when you get a competition like the Europa League, you're always going to have surprises. And I think the best thing that football fans can do in general is, is, is embrace the surprises which, which come along. Just going back as well, <laughs> let me just ask you about uh, Feyenoord fans. Dutch fans are kind of hardcore uh, at the best of times. Uh, I'm just wondering how many Feyenoord fans we can expect to see at Ibrox. Have they got a, a reasonably good travelling support? Uh, and with that, can I ask the question, are they better at home or are they better away? Not the fans, um, the team. The, <laughs> oh, um, I would say they w- they are better at home, I think, with the home advantage of such a tremendous uh, stadium they have yeah, in the Galp in Notre Dame. You know, it's, it's, it's well known that it has the best atmosphere in, in benevolence. And it's not also no, it's also no, um, no fluke that the national team have started to play matches there because obviously of the, of the fever uh, uh, support that the, uh, the supporters have. And um, I think the home matches in particular will see them really ride the crest of a wave. But I think also for the Feyenoord fans travelling to Glasgow, they will be excited about the opportunity and it will be something for them to look forward to and to take your opportunities when they come and and go to watch their team play abroad. Because, as I say, a couple of years ago, they were knocked out by Slovakian side Talens where everybody expected them to win. And they wasn't just knocked out, they were absolutely... They, they were basically torn to shreds, especially away from home. We have a, and, we um, have a quaint I old expression in Scotland that we'll allow you to use, James, on this occasion. They were gubbed. <laughs> OK, indeed. Thank you very much. And, uh, as I say, I think, I think the fans will remember that and the disappointment of not qualifying. And, um, and I think they'll just be excited about the campaign ahead. I've just, I've just always loved the name, Bill. It intrigues me, you know, Fiernur, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it properly. But don't don't forget, you know, yeah, we've got a wee bit of history as well with them because yeah. we've got players yeah. that have played for both you know, both sides of Glasgow, Rangers and Celtic, Fiernur, mm. and obviously 
they, they gubbed Celtic well they didn't they? if Dixie Deans hadn't missed that penalty yeah, kick yeah. in 1970 it might have been a different story but you know there's been good good uh, tussles throughout the years as well James yeah absolutely it's a, it's a, it's a very proud club mm-hmm. it really is a proud club if you, th- if you think of the city of Rotterdam having the likes of Sparta Rotterdam who are the oldest, cl- who are the oldest club in the Netherlands and also Excelsior Rotterdam who are looked upon as like a, as the little brother and then they are they come from two uh, different districts in Rotterdam itself, and then you have Feyenoord, which is the the biggest club of the city. It's a, it's a real melting pot. It's a real mm. mix full of uh, full of hardworking people who really love their club and are very passionate about their club. And as I say, you know, if you look at the history of a team like Feyenoord, okay, the last title was in 2017, but the honour roll still reads 15 Eredivisie titles and 13 Dutch clubs. 13 Dutch Cups and also the European Cup as well. James, let me ask you finally, and, and I've just been watching a, a, a great video which is real class, Yap Stam laying flowers at uh, Ibrooks uh, to pay tribute to his former international teammate Fernando Rickson. Let me ask you what reaction in Holland there's been to Fernando Rickson's death. Has it received much coverage? Uh, yes, it has. It, um, there are lots of football fans who have been touched, fellas. They really have, because mm. this is a player who who've, uh, who who stood tall in the face of motor neurone disease and took everything on the chin and remained positive throughout. And, and my memories of him as well is, uh, OK, I didn't see him play very often, but I, I was aware that he he um, represented the um, Dutch international um Dutch international team and also you know for, for his hometown team of Fortuna Sittard in, in his two spells he managed to um, for them to win the Dutch first division and he was loved if, if you look at his career he was loved at all the clubs he played for including St. Petersburg in Russia and, and, and many Dutch football fans today here in the Netherlands just, just reflect on a, a football player who was gifted who gave his all and not just on the pitch, but also in the face of adversity when suffering motor neurone disease. And I think they're just very proud of how he, how he, how he fought very hard and remained, remained an absolute gentleman and remained someone that everybody always respected. And um, it's just very sad, the events of today. James, just before you go, final question. We do it with everybody that comes on when they're previewing a game for us. Result for tomorrow. Uh, my prediction is a 2-2 draw. 2-2 two, two draw. Can I ask him something? A Desmond. Can I ask you something, James, just before you go? It's, I've just been kind of doing a wee bit of digging there, and it's great, you know, we're talking about Dutch football. It's on the up, you're saying, and, you know, it's, I love watching Dutch football, but we've got an under-21 internationalists who Fionnur has have signed in George Johnson um, from Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yep. this boy, we're, we're actually searching for a decent centre-back at the minute because we can't qualify. You, mm-hmm. were, you were rhyming off there, you know, the, the World Cup and the European Championship that Holland didn't qualify for. Well, it's been, I don't know how long it's been, Bill. How long has it been since uh, we qualified in 21 years? 21 years. It's been 21 years. So yep. if please, please, please help this kid along and make him a centre-back and get him in the Scotland national yep. team so we can qualify as well, please, James. Well, he's definitely in the right place and he's, he's definitely in the right country to, to play his trade and learn his trade as a young player. Yeah. I'm sure that Feyenoord will give him the opportunity to blossom at every single opportunity. Yeah. And I also think British players who take the opportunity to go abroad, it can change your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that the young British players 
taking taking the opportunity. I think they are they are they are helping themselves no end, uh, not just with their careers on the pitch, but also life skills as well. All right, James. Listen, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. Comprehensive roundup of what uh, Rangers are going to face tomorrow when they line up against Feyenoord. Thanks, uh, thanks James. again, James. Cheers. You're more than welcome anytime. Thank you. James Rowe there talking to us. He is a Dutch football expert tonight. Uh, talking to us from Holland, naturally. That's where Dutch football experts That's are based. Uh, the Netherlands. The, the Netherlands, yes. Yeah, I went, I went the mountains. The mountains in the Netherlands. Well, I went mountain climbing in the Netherlands <laughs> one year. Yeah, it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. clogs on. It was very, very good. It was the easiest mountain climbing holiday I'd was. ever been on. Very was. Fantastic. <laughs> Oh, By the way, I'll tell you something, Bill. You know, it's great to see a young kid leaving Liverpool and, and going and trying something different. You try and get in, in, in. Great to see anybody leaving Liverpool. Well, a young <laughs> Scottish boy going, he's like, I'm not going to get a chance here. I'm yeah, off. No, I, and, I, and I, it's I agree. fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. I agree. So, good luck to you. Listen, just one thing I was going to say to you, which I think is quite important. Uh, just going back to Fernando Rickson, because, yeah. because Rich, uh, sorry, not Rich, he's up next. James actually kind of uh, highlighted this. Uh, and I think it's one of the reasons that Rangers fans took him to their hearts. How many times have we said about players, they can have bad games, but they've got to give their everything. And the one thing about Fernando Rixon was there wasn't a time when he didn't give all for the jersey. Unbelievable. I mean, you don't see that in modern... I don't think you see that in modern-day players, Bill. But that is that, one of the reasons that Rangers way, fans love course, him. that's what football supporters at every level want to see. A guy who sweats for the jersey and yeah. goes out there and gets right in about it, and he certainly gets in about it. And he certainly won some trophies for Rangers, so okay. what a fantastic guy. Let's move on to our next Europa League game. Rich Allen's uh, French football expert going to be talking to us tonight. Uh, Celtic uh, line up against Rennes uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Rich, thank you for coming on with us and talking to us. I think we've spoken before, haven't we? Uh, we have, yes. So thanks for having me on again. No, no problem at all. Uh, Rennes, now, uh, am I right in saying that's where Christopher Julian's come from? Uh, no, he came from Toulouse. Was it Bolingoli that came? Who came from Wren? I'm sure somebody uh, came from Wren for for uh, for Celtic. Celtic. I don't think so. Does it not? No, no I don't think. Maybe so. Maybe I'm thinking about them. They played them in a pre-season or something. Was I that? Think it? They yeah, you done, did. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's yeah. Where, that's there, where, was, there was a there was a pre-season. That's yeah. where Wren's sticking in my mind. Then, well, tell us a bit more about Wren. Where they figure in, in French football and what Celtic can expect tomorrow. Yeah, well, Ren for, for, for a number of years was sort of the nearly team. They've got a lot there. They've got a very wealthy uh, owner, but not a team that traditionally splashed the cash. They're sort of almost they've almost been on the cusp of of making that next step to that next level. Numerous finals they'd reached, failure to win those had, had really gained them a reputation as sort of chokers when the, the occasion matters most. Last season, however, they won. Uh, the, the French Cup, they beat PSG on penalties in the final. Finally, there was a, a trophy for the fans to to celebrate. That's then got them back in to the Europa League. And then this season, they've had a really strong start to the season. They've beaten PSG again, uh, this time in the league. They're sitting second in the table, 10 points. So things at the moment are looking pretty rosy for Ren. I'm just looking down at the squad as well, Rich, and I'm, I'm looking at... And, and... Obviously, it's a French squad, and there seems to be, you know, in France, I don't know, you, you, you foreigners coming into the French football, but they look totally dominated with French players. Is, is that right? Am I saying the right thing? 
Yeah, no, there's a good balance. You know, yeah. Rennes are a club that are, are well known for their uh, their production line, their youth team, developing really good players. You know, you can take take that all the way back to players like Sylvain Viltord, mm-hmm. to more recent players like Usman Dembele. Um, they have a they have a fantastic youth setup, and yeah. are not afraid to to bring those players up and let them show what they can do in the first team. And I'm looking through the names. I've got Ben Arthur. Is he still there at the minute? Uh, ben Arthur left in the Did summer. It? Right. Um, okay. Yeah. There, yeah. There was a there was a bit of bit of issue over right, okay. um, how how he was fitting in that team, and you know I, it was probably I think for the best that he left. Right, there was. Okay a feeling that the atmosphere was becoming a little toxic with him in the team. But there's still a, a, you know, a small number of players. Clement Grenier um, is a player that back in Lyon was, was sort of tarnished, if you like, with the brush of being the next big thing. Uh, injuries sort of plagued him. He's had to, to, to move away from Lyon, but he's found his form again. Uh, a really good player, but yeah, there's, it's not necessarily a team with big, big names. It's, yeah. it's just there's a nice balance to this team at the moment. What's their expectation in the group stages? I mean, we've got we've got Ren, Lazio, and Celtic really battling for the the two qualifying places. What's the expectation at the club, and more importantly, what what do the fans expect from the group stages? Do they think they can realistically qualify and go through to the knockouts? Was, was initially drawn, I think many saw the calibre of, of opponents they were going to be up against and feared the worst. You know, obviously Lazio and Celtic, especially two really big names in in, in European competition. So there was an initial fear of you, know, of, you know, we're not going to have as good a run as we did last season. But I think as time has gone on, I think certainly a, a large group of, of the fan base and the club itself feel as though this is a great opportunity. You know, as I say, they're up against two big teams. They had a good run in the Europa League last season. They knocked out Real Betis. They took Arsenal all the way, including winning the first leg. So it's it's another chance to play against big teams to show that they are a team that belong at, at sort of this level of competition, and hopefully then to to push on from there. So I think there is a there is a a hope, and I, I'm it's it's moving towards a belief as well. But yes, it's a tough group. Yes, they'll have to be at their best for every game. But it's still a group that they could qualify from. Rich, are people shocked by the start of the season that they've had? Um, yeah, I mean, shocked, shocked is, is possibly one way of describing it. Um, mm. I think if you'd offered Ren fans 10 points after, after uh, five games, yeah, I think many would, would take it. Um, I don't think many would have anticipated beating PSG. Um, but they did. Um, they went three for three after their first three games. Yeah. Last two games, though, it has just dropped off slightly. They lost uh, before the international break against Nice, and then they drew at the weekend, just gone in a quite a low, uh, very local derby against Brest. So they're not coming into the game. You know, I'd be feeling probably a lot more confident for Ren if this this fixture was to take place. You know, two three weeks ago. Well, the thing- they, they just. Just taking the yeah, just taking their eye off the ball yeah. um, the last couple of weeks. But taking seven points away from home, Bill. I mean that 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 looks to me that is a decent side. Yeah, they can go away from home, take seven points. Have they got any injury yeah, problems or any injury worries, Rich? Yeah, the main one really revolves around their striker and Bain Yang. Um, he's uh, 
on his day, he's a real handful. I mean, if, if anyone saw the game against PSG earlier in the season, he showed just exactly what damage he can cause defences. He had a, an excellent game, can hold the ball up well, has got pace, um, has got an excellent shot on him at times, although a little erratic. Um, but a really good player that fits into that Ren system really, really well. He, at the minute, is struggling with an, uh, a knee injury that he picked up in training last week. Um, there are strong hopes that he will be part of the squad. Whether he is it fit enough to, to start, that's the bit that's, I think, a little bit up in the air. Uh, it will be a blow for Ren if, if they miss him because the, the players that are likely to come in, I don't think, fit into that system as well and not quite at the level that Niang is at. But aside from that, there's, there's, there's no real other injury concerns. I guess it would be naive, bordering on stupid for, for any Celtic fan or indeed Celtic themselves to think that they were going to be facing the Wren that they faced pre-season. Uh, I'm just wondering how many changes have been made to that team uh, and whether they, uh, whether they will make any special provision in terms of formation for this particular game. Yeah, so... Certainly the league games so far this season, Wren have operated in a 5-3-2, um, which has at times moved to sort of a 3-5-2. It depends on the game situation. That's quite a new formation for Wren. They were playing four at the back last season. There are rumours that they could revert to four at the back against Celtic and go more 4-3-3, which is certainly the formation they were playing last season. Um, playing that five at the back, they have looked pretty solid in defence. But, they, yeah, there's, there's, there's talk that there may be change in that. In terms of personnel change, uh, they've brought in Rafinha from Sporting, uh, a, a young Portuguese winger who's replaced Esmail Assar, who moved to Watford. Uh, they've brought Jonas Martin, who's a French midfielder uh, from Strasbourg, very experienced, that will sit in the middle of midfield. Um, and, and another key player they've brought back is Joris Nyanyon, the centre-back that they sold to Sevilla last summer didn't really make it in severe. He's come back on loan and could actually feature um, tomorrow night for Ren. So there are a few changes. Um, there are a few new faces, certainly very young faces. The, the name, the player on everybody's lips, certainly in France, is Eduardo Camavinga, um, who's the 16-year-old prodigy. Really, He's just exploded onto the scene. Uh, kind of the match performance against PSG. He is all the talk in France at the moment. To temper that slightly, it's not totally certain that he will play tomorrow night. He's uh, played a lot of games for someone so young. He may be rested uh, for that game. They may look to hold him back um, and perhaps play him against the weaker opposition in in the in the group, so I would hope Celtic fans get a glimpse of him because he is a real talent, and he may very well come off the bench. But it's not looking likely that he'll start. Rich is Nyang the the Senegalese player who who is in loan for Torino. Am I right in saying that? Uh, he was on loan from Torino last season, and right. then Ren took up the option to buy him this summer. Okay. Um, if anyone watched the African Cup of Nations, it wasn't the best representation of Nyang because. He had a pretty woeful tournament, right. uh, despite Senegal as a team doing pretty well. He he didn't have a great tournament, but he was really important for 
for Rennes in the Europa League last season and their run to, to winning the French Cup. Yeah. Um, he made a really good start to this season. So, yeah, as I say, it would be a blow if he missed out. And I take it, he's, he scored a couple of goals in the, the opening leagues, the, the games, hasn't he? Uh, he has, yeah. No, he got a couple of goals. He looked really, really good. As I say, that game against PSG, he was one of a number of players that really shone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, missed the game at the weekend, yeah. and it's really a day-to-day thing. And they'll make a very late call, I think. On so, him, do, do they uh, change? How he yeah. Do they then change the, the the formation depending on whether this guy plays or not? Because he's obviously the danger man. I don't know if they'll change formation. They've yeah. got. They've got. Certainly in style of play, they have a like-for-like like replacement in a guy called Jordan Sibachu. Uh, he may very well come in. He certainly doesn't have the impact that Niang had. Yeah. Uh, he's younger. Uh, there's a bit more pace about him, but he hasn't quite clicked at Ren. He joined last summer. It hasn't quite clicked for him. He has struggled with injury. Um, so they, they w- I don't necessarily think they would change tactics, change formation if Niang comes out. It's just that they might not be as potent up front. Rich, are they better at home or away? Um, I think, I, well, if you'd have asked me last season, if you'd have asked me last season, I would have said, actually, they're a little bit better away from home. But they've made a, a good start at home. Yes, their only defeat was at home this season, but it was a really unfortunate defeat. It was a game they should have won. Um, but they're, they're able to play in front of a, a very passionate, very raucous crowd, very proud crowd the, you know, of their region, exactly as Celtic are, of the, the heritage and what they represent as a club to a community. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it, 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 I think, well, what we'll see, I think is probably very similar to how they played the Europa League games last season. Ren will come out of the traps quickly. Right. Do they, they, do they, do they build, do they build from the back or are they, are they fairly fast moving through the, the midfield? They are fairly fast moving. They're, they're, they're very much a team that will look to hit teams on the counter attack. Um, but certainly, I think Celtic can expect the first 15 minutes for Wren to be coming at them. I think Wren will look to attack early, try and get an early goal, and then they can sit back and then look to hit hit Celtic on the counter-attack. So I would imagine that's a tactic that Celtic will just need to watch out for. It's, it's, a, it's a, a style of play that Celtic don't enjoy because Celtic's back defence uh, has, has been criticised regularly and it's playing against teams that, that break quickly that usually catch them out. So that will be something that Celtic will have to look at. Well, yeah, as well, Rich, the capacity 30,000 at the park as well. So uh, what kind of, as well as that, what kind of uh, demand? Or will it be full? Do the fans are taking this seriously? Do they think they can go all the way? Yeah, it's expected to be pretty much a full house yeah, excellent. for the game. Um, all the way, as in winning the competition, is probably a, a step too far. But as I say, I think there's a belief growing with the Wren support that they can get out of this group, despite initially fearing that it was going to be difficult. And it will be difficult. And they're not under any illusion that it's going to be easy. They know that Wren are going to have to be at their very best in every single game, even against Cluj. Um, they're going to have to be at their very best if they're to qualify. But if they can show anything close to the form that they did in the Europa League last season, especially when it came to playing against the bigger teams, then I do think Ren can do it. I mean, of course, as well, Bill, we've got Odson Edward going back to his country where he scored yes, goals for the yes. 21. So I'm, I'm aware, or are you aware, Rich, of any maybe rumours of any interest of any big French teams coming back in for him? No, it's Napoli, isn't it? Is it Napoli, is it? Napoli, 30 mil, they're talking. Well, there was. There were, yeah, there were very tentative rumours 
that Leon was showing interest. Mm. I think that was back when there were question marks over Moussa Dembele's future. Mm. Um, I strongly suspect that clubs will come in for Moussa Dembele at the end of this season. He's had an yeah. excellent start to the season. He'll have a, he'll, he will have a very strong season and clubs will come in for him. So I would imagine that if, if Dembele does go, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Leon came looking at, yeah. at uh, Edward. Right, we put you on the spot as we do everyone <laughs> and uh, ask for your prediction <laughs> for tomorrow. Um, I... I'm going to have to stay true to my true to my roots on this one. I do think um, it will be a good game. I'm really looking forward to the atmosphere. Um, in terms of results, it might not be popular with the listeners, but I'm I'm going to go with a Ren win, but narrow Ren win. Yeah, give us numbers. Two one is my two one. Two one. I think uh, Neil Lennon would be happy with that. Two one. Yeah, I think he'd be happy with that. I think, I think you, he'd you be know, happy. I think he'd be happy a, a with a goal, draw. <laughs> a goal of a difference taking them back to Celtic Park. I, I think, think he'd be. I think he'd be happy with a draw. Well, I think he'd be happier with a draw, but yeah. I don't think he'd be unhappy with two. No, one. I just think. Goal just of like, a listen, Rich, we were speaking earlier on about Dutch football as well, and I think French football's on its, you know, really up there at the minute, Bill, as well. So it's going to be very dif- difficult for both Glasgow clubs, I think. Okay, uh, Rich, thank you very much for being on with us, uh, and we'll speak to you again at some point. I'm sure. Thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks a lot. again. Thank Bye-bye. Uh, there we go. That's uh, Rich Allen talking to us tonight, French football expert, giving us the lowdown on Wren. So we know what Celtic are up against. We know what Rangers are up against. All we need to do is, fingers crossed, uh, a nod and a wink, and hope that we can get both get teams through and get a result and uh, you know get points on the board. Yeah, because play, you play get them in early. Uh, in the group stages and it gives you that wee bit of confidence let's take a break we'll come back and we'll talk more football have you picked up the feel the heat brochure from your local plum base get one today and take advantage of great offers including polypipes polymax 100 piece fittings bucket at 99 pounds 99 that's a 15 percent saving on purchasing individual pieces and it's exclusive to plum base the polypipe polymax 100 piece fittings bucket is just part of the polypipe range available in the plum base feel the heat brochure Shop online now at plumbase.co.uk or grab one from your local branch. At Motorpoint, we put the super into car supermarket. We're here to save the day with a choice of over 7,000 low-mileage, nearly new cars. Find your next car in a flash with our lightning-fast service and same-day drive-away. Plus, with Motorpoint's price pledge, if you find the same car for less, we'll match the price and give you a £50 Amazon voucher. Visit Motorpoint Glasgow today, just two minutes from Junction 3 of the M74. T's and C's apply. See website for details. The list of things you need to do gets longer at this time of year, whether that's for the house or in your business. So take one thing off your list right now. Your septic tank could need emptied. Let Grant Henderson Tankers empty your septic tank in the home or work, farm, factory or workshop at very competitive rates. We are septic tank specialists, experienced, safe and dedicated to environmental safety with our own licensed disposal site. Find out more at wemovesh.it or call 01698 284987. Grant Henderson Tankers. Let the experts manage your waste. William, Pamela and Anthony were sold investments by banks and ended up losing money. Luckily, they contacted Goodwin Barrett and were able to claim back a total of £65,500. If you've lost money on an investment sold by a bank, even if you no longer have it or the paperwork, just text GOOD to 6677 to discover how much you could be owed. That's GOOD to 6677. Goodwin Barrett. 
Yes. You don't need a claims management company to make a complaint, and if unsuccessful, you can refer it free to the financial ombudsman. Love music. Live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio. Okay, talking football for this Wednesday. Ali Graham, my guest, as always. Uh, let's talk about other things. General football ch- chatty chew. Uh, let's go back to Hearts, though. Oh, by the way, if you want to give us a call, you can do 0333 9442. If you want to relive your highlights of Fernando Rickson, if you want to talk about your team, if you're a Thistle fan and you want to talk about the turmoil that's happened there, if you're a Hearts fan, uh, you might want to comment if you've seen it on the statement released by the club and Budge, a fairly long statement uh, where she tried to reassure fans, had a pop at the media, it's all our fault again, uh, for being ill-informed and saying all the wrong things, but whoever kind of proofread Anne Budge's statement didn't make a very good job of it because there's a part of it that says... If anyone thinks that our plan was to be bottom of the Premier League, and I'm paraphrasing it here, but if anyone thinks that uh, it was our plan to be bottom of the, uh, the the Premier League, they're mistaken. As for the manager, and this is further on, he has to give an account to every board meeting of how things are going against plan. So has he not just been saying the same thing the last few weeks? They've not won a game, have they? Let me ask you something. last time they won a game. First, she says it was never our plan to be bottom of the Premiership. And then she says the uh, manager has to give every board meeting an update of how things are going against plan. Well, if it was never your plan To to be bottom, then your plan and what he's telling you against plan isn't a particularly good report. And if it was anybody else, would you be sitting there listening to it Board meeting after board meeting after board meeting. It is not working. She's admitted that herself. If it wasn't the plan to be bottom, and he's telling them against plan how things are going, they're not going well. Absolutely, and it's not a good place. I mean, she's sitting watching the, the, the games. They're all, the board are watching the games. They've no won a game. Uh, to be fair, she turned around at the end of last season and said people think that Craig Levine is bomb-proof. Nobody's bomb-proof, yet she seems to be throwing herself on top of a grenade to save him. Well, one of the, 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 the a quote, in quote here, Bill, it's, in short, our board remains behind the manager, his coaching staff and his team. And then she says, not because he is untouchable, not because he is all-powerful, obviously having to go at all the pundits and, and newspapers, and not because we are weak, has, has been suggested. I mean... We remain behind him because we believe in the plan. There's that word again. That's the buzzword. We have jointly, jointly put together. Well, what's the plan? But here's but here's the thing, Ali. Here's the thing. It's not because that they're weak. It's not because he's all powerful. What is it because of? Because it can't be just a blind faith or a hope that things are going to turn round. Because this and and this is what people miss. And it's absolutely crucial, right? This isn't this season. This is a continuum from last season where I think Hearts won one game in 10 and they've lost the last 10 games 
you know, so if they're taking five from this season and the last five from last season, but I thought they'd been losing before that. Mm -hmm. This is a continuum from last season. This isn't something that's just happened at the beginning of this season. And don't forget, Bill, it would have been worse if they hadn't got to the Scottish Cup final. I think, because that that had been mere losses. They've obviously won games to get to the Scottish Cup final. They were never going to win the Scottish Cup final. Celtic were always going to win that. So... It's the style of football the fans aren't happy with either, Bill. The style of football. I think Hearts have got better players than the style they're playing. So if that's but, the but, case... But, but how many times... How many? T- well, you're right. How many times, though, has there been a discussion about the style of football that Craig Levine plays? All the time. You know, All the, the Scotland manager that played without a striker. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't Craig eat. Levine goes out not to get beaten. Rather than to win to games, win game. in my view, yeah, and he's not even done that successfully now. Yeah, so I mean, listen, by the way, I'm quite, I'm, I'm really quite surprised, Bill, that any either either of the the, the Edinburgh clubs haven't twisted yet before this no. derby game. Well, mate, I can understand Hearts to a degree because they've got Aberdeen coming up in the uh, the thingy cup. Uh, so you know, you've got to say. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. Bet Fred, isn't it? They've got they've got Aberdeen. Yeah. I'll look at the uh, So it might well be that after that they make a decision. But the, the, for me, for me, the statement today was full of contradiction, and they weren't even particularly well planned contradictions. To say we never planned to be at the bottom of the league, and the manager has to give an account to every board meeting as how things are going against plan well if it wasn't your plan to be bottom and he's given you a, a, a true and accurate account against plan where you are then you're either not listening you're not yeah. watching or you're just terrified to do something but here's the thing and this is where Anne Budge is seriously misreading this she's tried in the first part of the statement to reassure fans Fans won't be reassured by no. words on a page. No. They will be reassured by actions. And what will happen, and I said this last night, you may or may not agree with it, if she has any loyalty to Craig Levine and wants to keep him at the club and move him upstairs, she's going to have to be very careful because if she it's leaves it much longer, she leaves it much longer, it won't be acceptable to the fans for him to go upstairs. And I'm not sure that it is now because they all thought he was pulling the strings before from up there. That's what I was thinking. So, you know, this is a very delicate situation. Absolutely. And I, frankly, and I have the greatest respect for Anne Budge, I do. I think she's done a remarkable job at Heart of Midlothian. I think, you know, she's put her money where her mouth is. I think she's got the club at, bit, at best interests at heart all the time. I think she genuinely, genuinely wants to do the best for the club and the fans but I think she's she's letting blind faith and loyalty totally um, kind of just get in the way of making a decision that has to be made at some point absolutely and I touched on it on Friday night with Shug I was saying that the, the young the young supporters coming through want results they want to see goals wins points on the board their team sitting third or fourth in that league challenging Aberdeen Celtic and Rangers let me ask you a question yeah the bottom of the league just now. It's early days. No getting yep. away from that. Of course it very, is. very early days. But the bottom of the league now. Looking ahead. I'm looking at their, their fixtures right now. Looking ahead, where do you think at the end of the season the best that Hearts can expect to finish would be? I think they'd be very realistically, lucky. Realistically, very lucky to finish six. Right. 
Would that be acceptable to Hearts fans, do you think? Absolutely <laughs> no not chance. Snowball's chance in I hell. think you asked me at the start of the season, well, I think we all done it, you know, the, 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 the top, the top, you know, for, for Rangers Celtic, all the way down. And I think I put Hearts in about fourth. Jerry McCabe watched them uh, more than any other team last season. Yeah. And he said if it hadn't have been for the start they got, they'd have been a bottom four club. Well, there you go, and that says it all. And looking at their fixtures, Bill, looking at September, we're nearly into the end, the end of September. They've got, obviously, Hibs away, and then it's the Betfred, Aberdeen, the League Cup, sorry. So, what if they lose their two games? Mm. Where, where, where does that put the club? What does Ann Budge's statement say then when they lose their two games? I, I mean, I read the statement, and, and to be honest with you, I kind of read it wide-mouthed, open-mouthed, because, as I say, there are so many contradictions in it that that, can, that just and here's don't the thing, make Bill, any sense. It's not even finished there, because at the end of September the 28th, they travel to place St Mirren away in a game that is a must-win. I know every game's a must-win at the minute, but they've got two difficult ones. I'm not saying St Mirren only difficult, but, you know... Where does it... You look at that league and they've got to get results. And I'm looking at Hearts at the minute. When Ross County, Hamilton, you know, anybody, any team can go and take points after them. You don't expect them to be taking points. So there's turmoil there. Absolute turmoil at both the Edinburgh clubs. The Derby, my mates are all going through. Um, I just thought one of them would have twisted, Bill. And I, I, really, I really do think that there's got to be action taken because the supporters are now withdrawing money, I believe. Um, and they've just lost faith. And I, 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 I reiterate, the young supporters <laughs> going to the clubs are desperate for success. You know, I'm, just, be... I'm just laughing because last night, I've done the same tonight as I did last <laughs> I night. I say the same thing. <laughs> no, I, I've done the same tonight. And I was driving uh, home last night and I thought, you're a plank. And I thought, I was chatting away last night about group stages and about away goals and things you like that. Night again? No, I was thinking about, you said about Celtic getting beat 2-1, I thought, I said, he'll be happy with that, thinking... No, no, it's, no, it's three it's points. three points. <laughs> what the hell was I think? I did it last night as well. But, you know, then somebody kind of jumped to my, my rescue and said, actually, uh, away goals do count in a set. No, they won in the league. Yeah. They won in the league yeah. in a section, but yeah. it's three points lost. That's how I was saying to you, yeah, darling, and I'm, draw. I, yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what are you thinking about? What do you think? Who do you think would be Harper out of Hearts and Hibs with a draw on uh, the weekend, Bill? But the two of them are doing there. I, I mean, think uh, Hibs would be happier. You think so? Yeah, I think Hibs would be happier. I don't think there's the same degree of pressure on Hickenbottom at the moment, but I don't think it's far away to getting that. Yeah. Um, and I was just, I, I just think that Hibs would be happier. But as, as Jerry said, Jerry McCabe said last night again, and that is, and, and we Liam alluded to it earlier on. Yeah. That is the fact that you know, even if Hearts get a win, is it papering over the yeah, cracks? Yeah, can understand that. Absolutely. You know, is it papering over the cracks if Mm -hmm. Hearts get a win? Yeah. I think I think it's more clear cut what the problem is with with Hibbs rather than being, you know, with Hearts. And I I, I know that sounds daft, bearing in mind that everybody's blaming the manager and that's fairly clear cut. But I think there are I think there are various things that come into play with it. I think I think mostly supporters go, obviously. Supporters go to watch their team winning and they're wanting their team to win. I mean the hearts supporter going there and they're wanting hearts yeah, to be happy. Every, 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 every team supporters want their team to win. Absolutely. But on the flip side, if they get beat, are some of them going to be happy if he gets shown the door? 
Well, uh, listen, let's go back to Liam Telford because he's he's written a, another tweet for us and it says she's attacking the media because she can't face facts. She says Levine isn't bomb-proof. That's bull. She won't get rid of him because, just like when he was Scotland manager, he will want a big settlement. After reading it, she doesn't care what's happening uh, on the pitch. She just cares about the bottom line. All the board members, Levine, have, have no history in football, so all the care... Uh, is about the bottom line and will hang on to Levine's word as he's uh, experience, uh, the only one experience of football and they don't have any experience of football. So that's me, Liam's thoughts. I just think from, from a point... I, you know what? I just think it's been too long. I think there's a time when you think, I've done enough with this club. It's time to move on. It's time to kind of look at other challenges. And I don't, I don't see him... I don't see him being challenged at the moment, although that sounds daft under these yeah. circumstances. It, 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 there's no real challenge there because nobody's saying... I mean, he's saying we've got to turn it round, and I believe that, and, and they, they do have to turn it round. But you see if you had that wee bit of pressure coming from the board yeah. instead of a statement which, to be fairly honest with you, is lukewarm and bland, then for me it's... You can't, Bill, you can't have demonstrations outside your park. Now, I don't know how many people And ignore them. Yeah, you can't. Well, I heard it was quite a few, but last night it was quoted at 350. That's a lot of people. Well... Standing outside your park and, and demonstrating. Now, what happens if they get beat with Hibs? Do they all go back to Tynecastle and demonstrate again? This can't keep going on. There's got to be a decision made. Well, listen, one of the biggest Hearts fans I know is Mark Donaldson at ESPN. Yeah. And uh, he was on with us last night, and he is a great respecter, great admirer of uh, Craig Levine, and he even said it's time for change. And then he alluded to the fact that he didn't see how he could go back upstairs. The other thing is as well that if you're a manager and you're coming in there, and, and Hearts have got to bring somebody credible you know, Shuggy said it again on Friday, but he said it a couple of weeks ago, and now the papers are jumping on the Stevie Robinson thing at Motherwell. I, I, think, I think I might get involved in that one as well. I think it'd be a great appointment. You know, Absolutely and I said to Jerry Collins last night, we had been battering Stevie Robinson about what did he think, and he went, I never even thought about it, but that would be a perfect appointment. So, you know, there's somebody going to be credible, but let me ask you something. Yeah. If you're Stevie Robinson and Craig Levine's director of football at Tynecastle, and I come to you and I say, listen, Stephen, I want you to come and I want you to be manager of Hearts Football Club and you'll be working under me, mm-hmm. uh, what was your, what's your response? I wouldn't go. No, of course you wouldn't. Absolutely not. But here's another thing, Bill. You know, we're all kicking off this week with managers. You know, we've been speaking at the managers and... But date every year, you know, who do you think? Because you do, you look at the bottom of the table and you look at the top of the table. You look at it's who you think... It's not been as frantic or frenetic this year not, as it was last hasn't. year. I mean, what was it? We got about oh, 21 this, before this. Mental. But sometimes it takes a couple of other clubs to make the change for other people to see, wait a minute, they get a wee bounce there. And I think the, the, the parse thing at Thistle, I think that's a big decision. And I think they will get a wee reaction there because that's going to be a big, massive game as well. Well, let me ask you generally, going back to the Thistle situation again, mm-hmm. about the Thistle decision today to make the, the change with Gary Caldwell. Jerry Britton, Kenny Miller and somebody else is taking the team uh, over the weekend. Danny, of course, is, is top man in terms of the club's hit list, Danny Lennon. Um, what's your thoughts on the Caldwell thing? I was never convinced... 
uh, when he went there. I heard a raft of stories, and to be fair, they are stories. Yeah. Uh, although one of them came from a really good source, and he was absolutely emphatic that he'd talked he'd talked them all into it by you know a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, allegedly, well, that was, th was that the other board that were there at the time. That yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and you know, then there was all these rumours about spats with players and things like that. Uh, and I just wonder if it was ever going to work for Gary Caldwell. I think when you get into a club, Bill, and Gary, Gary was successful up here with Celtic and he's successful with Scotland and things. You're always hoping you spent some time doing in England where it didn't really work out managerial. So. You're always hoping that young Scottish guys do well, but when the results don't go, then we've got to have our say. You know, I, I know a lot of Thistle supporters have not been happy. You know, and it's the same at any club when you speak to supporters. I mean, you know, I went to a lot of games last year, all right, lower leagues, for championship done. But, you, you know, you want guys to be successful, but when you start to hear things coming out and, and arrogance, you, you, you get a persona, you get a kind of feeling about a guy where, and I've, I've never met the guy. I have, I've never met him. Um, I think I finished before he was coming through, so I never played against him. But just the the feeling that you get that you, there's a wee bit of you know I'm the man for this. You know, well, I told you the story. Disney work out. I told you I the mean, story that Jerry Collins told me, and he did it on air. He did it live on air. Yeah. So you know he wasn't kind of hedging his bets with this, and he said he wanted to bring Gary Caldwell and Stephen Caldwell a thistle when they were at Newcastle. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Caldwell was all up for it. Gary Caldwell said, that's not a big enough club for me. Right. Well, obviously, it's, you know, bigger karma's, ambitions. And, karma's yeah. a bitch, isn't it? Aye, well, I mean, it's, not, it's definitely no work to it. And the boy Brian Kerr left East Bright to go and be his assistant. And I know Brian, we've had Brian on the show. Yeah. He's a good coach. And I'm not saying Gary Caldwell's not a good coach. But see, sometimes, Bill... Sometimes it's not about being a good coach. It's about how you, you're perceived in the dressing room. He's a good man-manager. Man-manager. Thistle needed somebody to run And by the way, he kept him up. But I get back to, he wasn't there to keep them in that league. He was mm. there to get them into the playoffs in the other league. And people, but he kept him up. No, but that wasn't, that wasn't why they took him on. Yeah. It was to get them up the top end of the table. That, look, last season was failure. Yes. It was absolutely. success in as much as 100%. they stayed, stayed in the, the championship. Yeah. But it was failure in yeah. terms of what their goal was. 100%. be really interesting now to see whether they go down the road of... And we, we were speaking before and, and saying, you know, you can take um, a manager who's doing well at a club. He's on the up. It's always been... It's never... I don't think it's like good taking a manager that's on the way down. Well, no, of course, you take somebody when that. they're hot. You take, yes. So there's a few managers out there at the minute that are hot. There's also a few managers, I feel, like Archie, that are earning a job. I thought you made a good point about, yeah, like Archie, like yeah. Martin Canning yeah. and people like they're, that. They're, you know, they need to look at his blueprint, where he's been. Martin got a spit of stick. He got a lot, lot of stick for He was a very successful manager Kept at Hamilton. We team in that league. No. For me, that's fantastic, right? That means he's a good manager, Bill. That means he's a good man-manager. Yeah. And he can get the guys together. He can bring guys in to do a certain job for him. And you know yourself, and we all know, Hamilton haven't got that money to go out and get superstars to play for them. You've got to try and get them to the club, so you've got to try and mould a winning uh, formation in there. Mm. And I know they weren't winning a lot, but when it counted in the Premier League, they managed to stay up. That's fantastic. My worry with... My worry with... Um, thistle is that they haven't learned anything from looking at another championship team at the time, which was Falkirk, yeah. Yeah. because it all seems horribly familiar. 
with you know, with their youths. Yeah, when I when I look at well, of course the academy's put in hold and been knocked back because uh, the, yep. the, the boy Weir has taken his money. money away. Um, you've got although Thistle said that money was ring there was money ring fenced and so it will happen. Um, You've still got the situation where you don't know if the takeover is going to happen. I, I believe they think they've got a way around it and waiting for the SFA to give it the green light, from what I've been told. Um, I'm not sure that the SFA will give it the green light. They might see it for what it is. Uh, I, you know, a, a loophole, literally, to get round dual ownership. So there's that. You've got the situation with the manager going now. The board, are, the older board, the board was there previously, mm-hmm. and the fans are over the moon about that by and large. They think they're thistle men. But that's yet to be seen, uh, what the board do. The manager's gone. You've had players that have left over the last season. Uh, it's not. It's not been a. And you've also a, got and there've been key players. Yeah, and you've also got, as Ewan was saying earlier on, a wee bit of unrest there at the minute. Yeah, I mean, Chris Doolin in last week. Mm-hmm. And Chris is getting a benefit, uh, a testimonial year from them, and yet they let him go. Do you think the reaction for? And I know it's a testimonial, but the crowd was fantastic. You know, it was it was, it was upbeat. Everybody was happy. It was. They'd have the, duels back there tomorrow. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Do you think the upside of Thistle to the doom and gloom of the manager and that maybe triggered after the decision as well, Bill? Well, I don't know. I, you know, sometimes, you know what boards are like. It, it could well be that the fans are getting a wee bit restless. There's two factions of fans that are, are involved with Thistle and both of them want to have supremacy and power. You get to a situation where if things start to get a wee bit tickly for the board, the board feel they have to do something. What's their option? They only have one. Well, we're touching on that with hearts as yeah. well. Yeah, but that's, that's true. <laughs> Except that Anne Budge seems to she be... She won't budge. Yeah, she won't budge. Yeah, very good. Eh? Uh, Liam Telfer again, and this is going back to hearts. If the board wants to get fans back... They have to take action, either sack him or put him on Ali McCoy's leave. Uh, we need someone new. We need fresh ideas to turn us round. The status quo isn't working. And doing the same thing over and over again is the sign of insanity. It is if you expect a different result. Yes, I think as well, going back to Liam, I think that the, support, the, the supporters of Hibs and Hearts, well, we're talking about Hearts at the minute, they want action now, Bill, because there's still a long way to go in the season. See, the longer they leave it, and it's the same old, same old. They're not going to finish anywhere up that league. They want to get as high as they can. And I think if they want change, they want it now so that they can do that. So a lot of pressure on the boards at both clubs. Big decisions to be made. And I think a lot will depend on the bragging rights this weekend and for Hearts uh, against Aberdeen if, if Craig's still in charge at that time. So... The big, big couple of games coming up for Hearts especially. Um, all depending on, of course, the result in the, the Edinburgh Derby on Sunday. And it is a re- results-driven game, you know. It's, Absolutely. You live and die by Absolutely. your results. And sadly, another manager bit the dust yesterday as well. Yep. Uh, no stranger to the programme. We've had him on a few times. Colin McMenamin. Yep. Uh, he's been disposed of uh, Again, by, by uh, Steny. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, again, it, it does come down to results, but, you know, they've not been doing particularly well. No. Uh, they lost 3-0 at home against Cowden Beath on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I reckon that was a straw that broke the camels back. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and it's one of those ones where he took over and, you know, hung up his boots and gave it his all. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work the way because you've got somebody there that knows the club, has played for the club, is liked by everybody at the club. It's not always the best criteria for making them the boss. No. And he said he felt it quite hard well, and quite I, different. Coming down for Brown Ferguson and then obviously him taking over. But, I mean, relegated, Bill, and it's no, you know, when you get relegated and being part of that situation where I was always in a bounce fit my team. And to be fair, relegation at that level really yeah, does hurt you. Absolutely, because what you are, as soon as you get relegated, you're the favourites to come back up the next season because mm. you've played in the league higher. And you and I know it, Disney always work out like that. No. Absolutely no. doesn't. So there's been a bit of pressure on them, the results haven't been right, and um, the board have felt, well, and you've got to say, Colin McMenamin is no, no going to say, no, I don't want a job. He's going to try. Of course And he he's is. tried it. So the board have got to look and go, we made the wrong decision there. And that's what it boils down to the board. So what did they go for now? Did they go for some experience? I wouldn't be surprised if Stuart Malcolm puts in for East Bride, ex-player. But did they go for somebody with more experience? Mm. And what about the old bonnet for the Partick Thistle jobs? Any thought about that? I don't think the bonnet would want it. <laughs> I don't think at this time yeah. in life that Dick would want to go back into full time. Yeah, I really don't. I could be totally wrong, but I just don't think he would I, want I, to go back. I would agree with you time. there. I just thought I'd say that just because of how successful he is. Listen, and listen, think let, you're let, fodder, you know, let me know. tell you, you could do a lot worse than the bonnet. Well, exactly. You know, at any level, you could do yeah. a lot worse than the bonnet. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Maybe the bonnet will get his chance again. Although it'll end it. It's horribly wrong yeah. at East End Park for him. Uh, maybe he could get his chance there again. Who knows? Well, so listen, you know yourself as well, Bill, going back to Stenhouse Muir. But they're sitting third bottom in that league at the minute, League Two, after getting relegated. You look at Cove at the top, who 100% record, they're, they're scoring goals for Ali, see if Ali, see if you're anywhere near the bottom of the league. Yeah. And Dean McManamy, uh, the, 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 the yeah. chairman, chairman, when he spoke to me, made this very, very clear and 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 I can understand why. And it's the same it's the same with the breaking chairman. You see, when you get to, to that point in that league, you've got to start worrying because you haven't got the comfort you once had many moons no, ago where you knew you were safe even if you were bottom of the league. Now look at, you know, two words, Berwick Rangers. Exactly. And Sterling Albion were that predicament last weekend as well because yeah. Kevin hadn't won a game yet, and then they went out and won. So, you know, um, so you look at it now, and you've got to, you've got to take action. Is it? I sometimes wonder though, uh, and this is a contradiction considering we're saying that Anne Budge has got to take action with Greg Levine. I sometimes wonder at what point in the the, the kind of season that you look at it, is this too early to be looking and making judgments for a club? No, I just think. Or is it the best time because this is when you want to I'm get saying, the points on the board? You've got to get the points on the board early. You're saying there, Jerry, was the games, and if it wasn't for the start they had, then they'd yeah. be struggling. Yeah. So, you know, so I think it's really important for all teams to get a good start to the season because once you're doing their confidence, supporters, you know, they're, 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 they're up in arms. That 350 people, what does that become the next time, Bill? Yeah, no, you're right. Apparently, there will be a protest. 
uh, outside Easter Road. Well, uh, or, uh, you know, th- th- this coming weekend. Before the start of the game. Yeah. When did they turn in players? When did they start booing the players, get out of their cars? When did they start... Turn- I mean, I'm not being funny. I as think a, they've already started as a football booing player, players. You're con- you're, you're, the body language on the football park, when you make a mistake and you know right away that's a guy that isn't comfortable playing for the football club. That, that happens, and it runs through the team. When you're a young guy and you look at your best player and he's no wanting the ball, but Bill. you know, Ali, last season, last season, Hearts brought in a lot of players, and even, and I know that a lot of this will be, he's got to say it, but last season, even before the season started, Craig Levine felt he had a bigger and stronger uh, squad than he'd had in a long time. He lost key players he really did last season, and they were key players. You can't yeah. get away from that. Yeah. But he still said, I believe we've got enough players and good enough players and a strong enough squad to ride it out. They didn't. Didn't they, didn't they have? And no. and I'll make the same point now that I made earlier on. And, you know, and I, if Mrs. Budge thinks that we're being unfair, I would challenge her. Look at the results. They don't lie. Absolutely. This isn't this season. This is a continuum from last from season. Last season. what was my reason for them getting after the good start last year? Do you remember? No. Well, Hibs, uh, Aberdeen, Celtic and Rangers were all playing Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, sorry, Saturday, Wednesday, th- Saturday. And Hearts... Played Saturday, 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 Saturday. Yeah, yeah, no, and, good point. And, and they won all their, their, their games because they weren't having to chop and change with Europe, with, with, with the league. Yeah. And they get into a wee run and they were 100%. But you've got to say that, you know, really, Jerry's right. If they hadn't have got that start, start. Yep. they'd have been struggling last Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Yeah. But the point, and I think it's a crucial point, I really do, is the fact that you look back at it now. And you think to yourself, this isn't just new this season. And, and I think Craig Levine purposely if, if, has stayed Bill, away from that. Bill, if we're seeing that, you and I and everybody else, Liam, or the, or the, so what's Craig Levine seeing? Well, he's living in denial, obviously. <laughs> or, he's, or he's playing one of the best PR cards that you could play. But he's saying, I can see light at the end of the tunnel, and if I genuinely couldn't see it, I wouldn't stay in the job. Well, how big is this tunnel? Because, as I say, this is leading on from the tail end of last season into this season. Everybody was bumming them up when Harry Cochran come through and playing a young kid and this and that, and he looked apart and everything, and we were like, well, okay. But you see, Jerry... He's away to Dunfermline. But here's Jerry was saying this the other night as well, and I know... I, I, he said, people think I've got a downer on hearts, I'm not, but I've seen more of them than any other team. He said he felt that the youngsters were getting put in by Levine to deflect from what was happening. Right. And that they weren't playing well, but people would say, oh, he's blooding the youngsters. And, well, that, and he thought it was a smoke screen. Aye, I can understand that. He really well. did. Yeah. yeah, he thought it was a smoke screen. And then when it came to the nitty gritty, that obviously they're not good enough and they've been shipped to it. No, I know they're still young, but well, I know young Cochrane had a couple of really bad injuries. Yeah, he did. Have I seen him playing Albion Rovers actually in the, one of the, the cups, one of the, the cups against Albion Rovers? He actually done pretty well. well I saw him play one of the league games last season. And I thought he, he he was playing well. I thought he did well. well we hope he comes back. And I, he gets... I didn't think he did any worse than Sean no. Clare's been doing for them because right. he's a boy that hasn't really hit the ground running for them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. And now they've got Connor Washington out for a while. Heard that. So they've got Connor Washington out for a while. I don't know how close, if at all, Naismith is to coming back. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, right? We were talking about this. Nobody could understand why at Naismith's age he was given a four-year contract. 
was he being was he being put in place and groomed to uh, to take over from the coaching in the coaching role that kind of well, thing. That from... could be maybe that could be maybe maybe the next step if he goes back up the stair and it's Naismith that gets the job. You think we Naismith will would let somebody else be yanking his chain? I don't. Who would? Well, who would do you think? Do you think uh, Neil McCann would? No, definitely not. Right. So I'm, no. I'm just. I'm you only you only have to look at Neil I'm McCann when he was at Dundee, and yeah. he was certainly his own man. I'm just saying the Hearts guys. You know, the, the guys that have played for the club there. They might. Would come Neil in to get McCann though? Would Neil McCann get more of a a, a free reign because he might have a better relationship with Craig Levine than than most? I would maybe think so because he. Or right, would you ship in somebody like Lockie and Gary Naismith, who are both at the club? Uh, and put him back upstairs, would they work with him hand in you're glove? A, you're in a position, Bill, where you're, 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 well, we're talking about managers that are on, that are winning games, like Robinson. No, he wouldn't go and work under him because he's there. But see guys that have maybe gone to get the chance, like the, the young boys, Kettle Whelan, uh, up at Ross County. Yeah. He's wanting a job. Stephen Ferguson. Stephen Ferguson. They've been like that. They're never going to say no. Yes, we'll take it. And it's worked to... Would Holt go? <clears throat> To Hearts? Yeah. I think he would. I think he would. Mm. Interesting. Uh, I think he would. But, you know, do you know what I mean with that? Like, like, you know, guys that are maybe, listen, this is a chance here, you know? Yeah. And, and then it might turn round and it might work, but... Yeah, but, you know, you know, if you're going to go into a club like that and you're wanting a chance, you've got to give yourself the best odds of being successful. Mm-hmm. And if you're going in with the Maybe previous manager, yeah. yanking your chain yeah. after he's been booted upstairs for not doing it, yeah. then yeah, I think everybody's happy to take... Like Daly's there as well, I think, I, I, Yeah, I think everybody's happy to take a bullet providing it's aimed at them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't want to be a bullet stopper for somebody else. What about Stevie Robinson, though, in terms of, you know, going I think there? He's got, well, that's... I'm, I think he's got a chance of going in back to England and getting a right good job down there. I think he's done absolutely fantastic with Motherwell Bill. Mm-hmm. I think they're fit, super fit. I think they're dynamic. They're not alike. Like the Hibs team a couple of years ago. Yeah. Watching them. How exciting is it to watch their boys? They get wired in. There's no superstars. They enjoy it. They enjoy playing. The, the fans are loving it. And he's, he's getting enthusiasm at Motherwell that he lost for a wee while last year. But do you remember having Keith Lasley on saying, we've got to give these young guys a chance? Yeah. I, I mean, when Keith was on, he said, we're, we're absolutely convinced we're going about it in the right, right way, way and yep. that it will turn. Yeah. And when Keith said it, you believed it about Aye. Motherwell. Yeah. Craig Levine says it and you think, Aye, okay. And it comes to a Saturday and you look at the result and you go, yeah. well, when does it when does, when does it change? You know, and I, we're heartened on about them all the heartened on about them all the time. But it's a big talking point because they're a big club. We've bummed up Edinburgh football. Edinburgh, but I'd rather talk about Edinburgh City, by the way, than, than talk about Hearts and Hibs because they're that poor at the minute, Bill. Yeah. Because, honestly, we've bummed them up. It's great to get enthusiasm, enthusiasm back. And the two of them are sitting down the bottom end of the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolute rubbish. The supporters are going to games thinking... My goodness, are we going to get a win this week? I don't know. I just don't know. I, I couldn't call that result. I know you're going to ask you that the, the weekend, Friday night, but if you were asking me to know, I think it could be a nil-nil or a one each. And, it, it and, just... and well, let me ask you what you asked me earlier on. Who would be happier with a draw? I think I think you're right. I think Hibs would be. I don't think Hearts. Hearts 
this is a this is a result. I think that if Hearts it, need to win. I think if it was a draw against Hibs, I think it would be the catalyst for them to really get vocal the fans. Yeah. You know, I really do. Depending on the nature of the draw. Yeah. But I know that both clubs, and you're right, both clubs, the supporters are going to see their team winning. But after 90 minutes, depending on the result, I think all things could change. I think something could happen. Um, I don't think anything will happen at Hearts before the Aberdeen game. But I think I think if they drew or lost to Hibs and went out against Aberdeen, then I think something would have to happen. I just think Hearts fans would just... Go Tonto. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I do. Do you not? Absolutely. I've said to you, 350 becomes 700, 700 becomes 2,000. Yeah. You know, and... and Do you know what? Ah, I, I said to the boys that I was going to try and get to that game and I wish now I was well, going. Shug you know, and I, I are trying to oh get God, to it. I wish I was going. Shug and I are trying to get to it. We're waiting for a wee locket to see if we can get, can get his tickets. But oh, anyway, man. listen, here's the thing. Tomorrow, Ren against Celtic. Um, tomorrow, Ren against Celtic. I think Celtic will be lucky to get a draw. Um, I, I, I'd love them to get a draw. I think it'll be very difficult. I'm going to go for a one each. Okay, and uh, Rangers against Feyenoord. I think that'll be a draw as well. I'm sitting right in the fence, one each. Yeah, well, you've got scalps in your bum. Uh, thank you. We'll no see problem. you next week, same time. That's it for me. I'll be back tomorrow, of course. Jerry McCabe will be in here with us, and goodness knows what we'll have to talk about. It just changes minute by minute. Thanks for your company tonight. <laughs> Love music, live sport. Talking football with Bill Young and Ali Graham on Rock Sport Radio.